drinking beers, rolling dice, and talking shit. The Veteran Gamer Re-Enlisted. Episode 66. I'm the Corduroy King, <laughs> What's up, Veteran Gamers? We are back. Another is the show that drinks beer, rolls dice, and talk shit. America's 40K podcast. See, I left you your lol right there. You happy now, Ray? Yeah. See, and that was perfect. And now you had to put that stupid shit in. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. You better edit that shit out. I'm not I editing shit. I'm not editing shit. We're a very professional fucking podcast here, okay? You're going to embarrass in front of us. Embar- God, I can't even talk. Never mind. I can't, I, I can't, e- I can't even. I can't even. <laughs> In front of our guest of all things, Ray, oh, our honored I, guest. God damn it. We're very professional, okay? Our, this is what our listeners come here for. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm evaluating everything you're saying and it's everything I expected and more. So you're crushing it. You guys are crushing it. Crushing it every day, dude. Crushing it every day, dude. That's right. That's right. I am of course your host, Andy. As always, I'm joined by my best friend Ray. Yeah, that's me. Hello. <laughs> the Hobbit. Um, and today we are joined by an extra special guest, um, fellow Tyranid nerd, uh, second place at the SoCal Open. Currently, what rank, Ray? Uh, I got all the ranks. So, world, I don't know if you know, Cooper, do you know all your rankings? I do not. Well, uh, I'll tell you right now. Well, we're okay. introducing Cooper. Cooper, what else? 136. You know, you know, not, I'm in the 100s. He's not. So, nice. Okay. Uh, West Coast, though, he's 27. But in Tyranid's world, he's eighth and second West Coast. He's from uh, Rage Quit, Table Flip. A bunch of guys that uh, don't drink, very religious. I will just tell you right now that I am a huge fan of the fact that everybody on the team is a degenerate. (laughs) So uh, I'm sure there are other teams out there that fall into those same criteria, but I feel like I found a home. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great group of guys. I love that group. Good. I, mean, I don't think there's anybody on that team that I played and not had a good time playing. Yeah, except except when Ryan. Uh, I was I was, was going to say I think on a personal basis I think you're fine. Uh, game by game basis I think everybody has a story about Ray. So <laughs> yeah. we're just going to leave it about that. <laughs> I've, I've played everybody from Rage Quit, and I think I've all had at least one game where I'm pretty sure they talk shit when at lunchtime. Yeah, it's 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 pretty standard. Everybody's looking at each other like, All right, who are we gonna get? We gonna get Ray or Ray? And everybody's just like, don't get fucking Ray. Just I I wish, I wish you get the special Ray. Um, anyway, the the, the Ray quit table flip. That's yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Do not talk to anybody else on my team until I drop that one with them got because you. they are going to. Yeah, they're going to flip it for sure. You got you got you got a week and a half, so there okay. you go. <laughs> All right, nice. So I, I I talked to Andy and I wanted to get you Cooper because you know uh, Brandon Grant's a robot. Yep. He's already been interviewed. Nice. And Andy here is a Terranid player. And, okay. and he, he doesn't think Terranids are good. <laughs> I try to tell him. I try to tell him all the time they're fucking top tier. I, I'm He's a, just a bad player. I'm a self-loathing so, Tyranid player. Self-loathing. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want. I wanted. You, I wanted to get you on here. Talk about SoCal and also set Andy straight. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, I don't think I don't think Tyranids uh, are seen as a top tier list uh, for a number of reasons. Um, I think number one, I just don't think they're really an understood 
kind of army. I think every person that I walked up to at that tournament, um, and I asked them, you know, do you like have you played Tyranids recently? And not everybody had. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, do you understand what my army is? And you know, any questions about it? And they looked at the list once, and I had two units, fifteen gene stealers, equating to about four hundred points in my army. And they looked yeah, at Cooper, it. and said, would you want to go into your list just so sure. everybody has list? Yeah, yeah. So I'm taking uh, three different detachments, the Kraken uh, with the Swarm Lord, a Malanthrope, uh, and a Flying Hive Tyrant with uh, Devourers and Rending Claws. And the troops' choices there, I have 15 Gene Stealers and then a squad of 10 Hormigants and 10 Termigants. Uh, and then the Elite slot, I took uh, three Tyrant Guard to protect Swarm Lord and the Flying Hive Tyrant, and then six Hive Guard. And then in uh, the second detachment, I took a Kronos detachment, which was two Neurothropes, followed by three um, Ripper Swarms. So that's another five CP. Really, I'm using that to uh, try to stop Psychic Powers with uh, the stratagem that allows you to make it so they cast it on one dice rather than two. Um, and then the third one is a Gene Sealer Cult with two Maguses uh, and a Primus, and then uh, 15 more Gene Stealers. Um, so, I mean, it... it Honestly, on paper, it looks fairly tame. Um, and I say it looks fairly tame. I don't think it does, but people have been posting it since I've done fairly well. And everybody just uh, apparently was scratching their head like, I don't understand how you won games with it. Um, and it kind of leads me to what I was talking about earlier. Uh, every time I asked somebody if they knew what Tyranids did, they looked at my list and they saw Gene Stealers on the paper. And like, oh, you have Gene Stealers? I get it. And just kind of left it at that. And I didn't have to do any further explaining. Um, and they apparently knew everything about my army. And then when it came to, like, turn two and three, they really had no idea what I was trying to achieve. And then finally, you know, I was working my magic at that point. So it, Yeah, pretty much, like, you give people the courtesy, too. Like, you have any questions about my list? And if they say no, it's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to get you. Because you obviously don't know all the tricks. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just something, like... And Andy, you know, it's not so much that Tyranids aren't a good army. Um, maybe you're just giving up too much at the beginning of the game. You should stop telling them all your strategies right off the bat. That's, <laughs> well, I usually um, tell them, I'm planning on eating you turn one. That's usually as far as I go. Yeah, that's too and much. Pretty that's just too much. Person, yeah. <laughs> I plan on being, he's not, I plan not on like being rending claw deep in your him. butt. That's where I tell them. You're going to be rending claw deep in your ass. How's that sound? Oh, okay, that sounds like Gene says. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally understood. Got it. Got it. <laughs> So, uh, I, I mean, it's just, I just don't feel like a lot of the guys that I was playing against were very familiar with Tyranids. And, you know, when you end up talking to folks and they're like, you know, why are they so good? You just do this, this, and this. In the moment or in the two and a half hours that you're playing your game, if you're not caught up on the army you're playing against, um, you're not going to know what to do. And by that time, you know, it's, it's already too late. Um, yeah, and Tyranids I, are so fucking fast, and if you don't know their extra movements or their strategies or stop uh, spells, really catch you off guard. So, I mean, I, I liked your list. Um, I kind of changed things around because I'll be making a Tyranid list for maybe next season, probably my nice. Fun list. Nice. But uh, I, re- I, I took some pointers from, from your list. Uh, you what know, are you going to take in there? Uh, definitely Gene Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I keep dropping Swarm Lord and putting Swarm Lord. I don't know, 300 points is a lot. Maybe chapter approved change that. Mm-hmm. Um, I only have one flyer, and I have a Gene Stealer Colt with uh, um, Gene Stealers and the guy that you roll 3d6, or you can, yep. and then you re-roll. Yeah. So, I mean, kind, kind of a little bit. Kind of, I just really like Gene Stealers because they're so fast, and I hate playing against them as Eldar. Yep. 
Yeah. Right? Like, Tyranids are worse. Like, I think one of the worst matchups, maybe Orcs might be a little bit worse now that they have a Codex, but... Or if Orcs have a hanger to fucking sit in. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was semi-blessed. You know, I, I mean, I, I wasn't, like, out there. Quite frankly, when I was set up there, I was not expecting to do as well as I did uh, because they're, like, the top three armies out there I struggle mightily against. And it's like Knights, uh, like Dark Eldar specifically, just Dark Eldar. Um, and then, uh, you know, Imperial Guard as a whole. Like, I struggle against those armies. And I didn't really play any of them. So I definitely benefit from those matchups. And I played three straight, you know, basically Eldar players. And, uh, you know, do I you, played do pretty you, well against those. Do you think Eldar is, like, one of your, like, better matchups? I absolutely do. Um, but craft I, world, I assume, right? Yeah, craft world, and the big reason being the lack of a significant screen. Sure, you have uh, guardians that can be there, but I'm not talking hundreds of bodies that I have to chew through. Um, and then anything that relies on psychic powers, like I love those armies because when you start taking, you have the shadow and the warp, which is minus one to cast, and you have Chronos as a detachment, so you can start making them cast on one dice, um, and then you have. Uh, you know, you have the warlord trait you can put on whatever your warlord is to, to say that when you fail a psychic test, not when you deny it, but when you fail it, you take D3 mortal wounds. It basically just shuts down um, a psychic heavy army if you get to the middle of the table. Um, and with Eldar just relying heavily on that, I was able to basically shut down all those powers, which well, is great. Well, Eldar having a lot of our point, uh, important spells being seven, that negative one really fucking hurts. Oh, like, yeah. I play, you know, I play Andy a good amount of times, and there's a lot of times I don't get fucking powers off. Yep. And it's always because of that stupid negative one. Yep. It, it, yeah, I mean, and then in order to capitalize on it, even to like deter it, I think I was playing, uh, God, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Alan or if it was uh, Jordan. Uh, I forget who it was, round four, round six. They just stopped casting psychic powers because every time they tried to cast, they would fail. And then my warlord was a neurothrope. I'd put him out in the very middle of the board um, and kind of protect him. And they weren't able to target him so much. But every time they tried to cast power, they would fail to D3 mortal wounds. And Eldar, they get the invul save versus uh, mortals, but they, you know, they get a better invul save versus perils. It's yeah. not a, it's not a perils of the warp. It's just simply a, you know, a failed test. And here's your mortal wounds. So you still get some kind of save, but it just basically deterred him to the point where he's like, I'm not even gonna bother. Just fucking, I'm gonna try to shoot you, which is which is great. Stop, I mean, you can stop doing your psychic phase. That's that's good news for me. Yeah, so yeah, that that, that won't work against me, Coop. I'm okay. too stupid to know what's good for me. I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna still fucking do it. Fuck oh, it. God. yeah, yeah. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep just keep bashing your face into the into right. the wall. It's it's it won't hurt at one point. Either you're gonna be unconscious or you're gonna break the wall. I mean, you have so many psychers. Just We'll kill half of them this turn. We'll get the other half next turn. So just fucking keep going, and you're, you'll be good. Yeah, either way, somebody's going to die. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to ask, uh, what was your hardest matchup out of your six uh, players? Your- uh, it, my hardest one, and the guy I've played in the last three or four uh, tournaments I've played in is Hayden Navarre. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I butcher it. Navarre. Oh, oh uh, I think I think we, it's uh, Adam Catchatchum. Pokemon yeah, there, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Ash Ketchum. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just leave it at Ash. Um, <laughs> anyway, Hayden, one of the nicest guys that I play against on a regular basis, it seems. Um, and all of our games come down to, I feel like, two points. I, I beat him, I think, 27 to 25 in our matchup. And um, it, that's a, a chaos soup list that I, I never feel like I'm 
undermatched there, but I never feel like I'm going to dominate. And that was just another one of those games. And it came down to, I think I killed two psychers. He, he, he took the Ray approach where he was just going to keep trying to cast psychic powers near my <laughs> warlord. Um, and he, uh, okay. and he, he casted twice with Aramon, both times failing. And one of the times was a snake eyes. So he took the perils of the warp plus two D three mortals from failing within the range of my warlord. Oh, and God. so he just died right away. And then another yeah. Psyker failed the same turn, like failed two more powers. He's like, I'm going to keep casting. I'm like, yeah, you are. And he just went for it. And, he, and, he, and that just turned around the game. I'm like, and I didn't know if it was going to be a two-point game at the time, but that ended up being the, the major swing in the match. And that was really the only reason I won that game. I mean, in, in Hayden's defense, I mean, Armand felling spells is actually very oh, rare. Oh, super rare. So the dice were not Definitely against for sure. Um <laughs> But, I, I mean, that's that spoils him. I mean, he's part of Andy's team because Andy's the team captain of that team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, no, we we I, we know Hayden because Ray was the the previous team captain of this team. Um, so no, I was the dictator. You the t- <laughs> okay. <laughs> no captain. No captain. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we know Hayden uh, pretty well. We play with him all the time. So um, I know he says that he plays. You guys and always end up at. Any turn you guys end up, you guys end up playing each other. Yep. Just the way it turns out. So yep. he knows they're nail biters every time. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that he always looks at me and he, he's having a great time. He's having a great time. And the last couple of times I've caught him at the very end. And he just looks at me. He's like, and I know he wants to look at me and just say, you motherfucker. But he's just like, <laughs> good he's game. Nice of a guy. He's just like, good game. Thank you. I'm like, hey, you can you can flip the table if you wanted to. Like, <laughs> I don't deserve to win that game at all. Um <laughs> Like, all, all kudos to him for sure. That's definitely cool. Yeah. Um, for army matchups, like, what was your easiest? Not like say like a person was bad, but like it was a good army, just that your army countered it completely. And why? Um, you're talking about just this particular event. At this event, yeah. About, at this event, um, the first the first matchup. I mean, God bless the guy. The guy took on all Primaris uh, Black Templars army. Um, in my first oh, top tier, uh, yeah, it was surprising you know, one. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was not a matchup that he was going to do very well against me. So I, I would say that was my easiest one. Um, and then my my third round one was a, a Gilliman gunline. I, I feel like that was also a fairly easy one. And it's not because the list is built poorly. It was be- more because there was a lot of line of sight blocking terrain. In order for him to get a line of sight on me, there was a very narrow lane. Um, and when he didn't kill all my gene stealers turn one, they just basically came in and munched through everything. Um, and then Gilliman was the only thing left. And I'm like, that's fine. We'll let you run around and I'll, I'll take everything else. So uh, Marine, Marine heavy lists. I, I had no problem with um, Eldar lists were more difficult. And then I, I think my fifth round matchup, I think there's an asterisk there, just given that there was not a lot of models on the table when I ended up playing there, but that was not the uh, the most difficult game, just given the the circumstances. So, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. uh, one one uh, other question about SoCal. Yeah, uh, SoCal had a lot of train. I mean, the train was very nice. We've said it in our last podcast. Do you yep. think the train and all the tables helped you, or did you see some tables that you did not want to go to? You know, I didn't do a whole lot of looking around at all of the different tables. Uh, but I, you know, whenever I look at a table, I'm I'm looking for the all enclosed pieces that those are the and those are the edges and those are the sides that I would like to ultimately have, um, specifically for two units 
the the first unit being the hive guard because you can put them in there. Um, you don't need a line of sight. You want to try to find those pieces. Um, and then if I can have enough room for gene stealers to put them in there, I will. Um, it doesn't always happen though. Uh, like so, there was there's plenty of terrain on a on a front line or on a a. Uh, ITC board, I feel like, or at, the, at those events. It's just that not all of them are always the encapsulated buildings, of course, so you can't rely on that. So it sometimes it gets a little dicey. I'm always looking for those those larger buildings if Better I can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you would have liked the two foot by two foot hangar yes. in the middle yeah, of the yeah. table. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I, when I was Talk. looking at uh, your match, you're like, I can't do anything. I'm like, man, yeah, for, th- for had, three whole turns, three whole turns, just just flying around. Yep, Rich can't land on a runway and there's a fucking hangar. No, fuck me. Orcs are cunning. I don't know if you know that. They're they're (laughs) fucking a cunning group. They're just like, fuck it. We can hide in here for days. Yeah, and then last turn, oh, I I got three points. And yeah, that was the jump. I'm so glad that in the Orc Codex that they changed the the rule for the psychers where they can only get a maximum of plus three. Yeah. Instead of getting to like, oh, I perils, but it doesn't matter because I can't die from it and I'm going to heal myself. Mm-hmm. Sweet, mm-hmm. and I can't deny you at all because, like, he, uh, Rich Kilson imperiled every time he casted. Yep, just he always healed them so they'd never die. It was great. Well, it's, it's a strategy, it's a strategy for orcs. We just fucking go for it, and then you know what? Fuck it. We have we have more orcs to just kind of glue onto this injured orc, and that'll make yeah. him orky science, orky technology, everything just works. We don't know why. Yeah. We don't know yeah, why yeah, it yeah. just works. <laughs> just, just put more metal like shards and plates on him. He's going to be fine. And then paint it red. Then paint it yeah. red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll go faster after he's done fucking blowing his brains out. Yeah. Yo, but for a horde obsec army, those giant buildings like that, it's like a glory hole for us. It's like we're seeking that. Out. We got to have it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's like the jam. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about your list um, yeah. because I'm a tyranny player and um, I, I saw some things in there that, I've always thought about, but never th- really put in there. I mean, the first one I, I play, of course, with the Swarm Lord, and I have a love hate relationship with the Swarm Lord. <laughs> um, because if he lives past turn one, if I don't get turn one, and he lives. Mm-hmm. Great, we're golden, right? Everything's great. You know, everything's sexy. If he dies, now it's a whole different game. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Swarm Lord? So, one hundred percent. If you were to look at my list, I think everybody looks at the Swarm Lord as kind of that linchpin. Um, because he then propels the gene stealers, which is kind of like a wave one uh, attack on you, and then he comes in and tries to clean up whatever is left. Right. Um, so I put the utmost importance on making sure that he can live. So I'll typically try to put his toe in cover and some kind of obscured, so that way in case he is obscured, maybe I can get something. Um, if there's nothing, and the only guy that I care about living is him, like everything else is almost expendable, or everything really relies on him, he the opponent has deployed super defensively um i opted to use the two point stratagem for even one cover one plus cover so that i could get a two up save just no matter where he's at right um so and then on top of that i took the tyrant guard and uh i was going to ask you about that because that was that's a a unit i've been looking at for a long time like i want to find a way to fit this in but every time i put it into a list i'm like i always drop it out yep everybody so I mean, I'm not involved in every Tyranid uh, tactics chat there is, but every one that I've looked at has shit on that unit. And I've tried to make them work, and I think I've, I I think that I found something that works for me. And the biggest thing is is that um, everyone says, oh, they're going to die. You're going to shoot a toughness five profile model first. 
and then we're going to then shoot the toughness seven profile model. Um, and they're just not going to last that long. So the way I typically deploy them is I'll have the, the tyrant guard out of line of sight. So whatever enclosed building or whatever it is, I'll put them inside the building so they're out of line of sight and I'll line up the um, swarm lord right nearby within three inches. Right. So you then have to shoot the swarm lord because you can't target the, the hive guard. You have to shoot the swarm lord and then he was just going to start passing off wounds off to his friends. Um, so you have to go through the invul save, you have to go through all that. Um, and then if you stack a malanthrope next to him, or if you have enough venomthropes, if you if you that's what you fancy, um, you know you can end up giving him minus one to hit, and all of a sudden he's you're hitting him at minus one to hit. You're going through a toughness seven model, um, and then you have to get through nine wounds before you actually start hurting him. So he's basically a twenty one wound model at that point. Yeah. And I feel much better about a 21 wound model than I do a 12 wound, um, being the linchpin of my army at that point. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Did, did the did the tyrant guard ever make it into close combat and do? Because there there are no slouches there. Uh, yeah, they they made it a couple times. I mean, I, I will say that the games that they made it, it, it it's almost I almost use them as a barometer as to kind of how the game is going. If they make it into combat, I'm not going to lose that game. Right, you've already won. Yeah. Yeah, because I I still have those guys sitting there. I think it um, my game against Alan Hernandez, I, I you know he's <clears throat> shitting all over my gene stealers. He's you know beating the crap out of the rest of my army, uh, and then it comes down to um, the Swarm Lord, and he has two wounds left, and his Tyrant Guard were nearby, and he's like, I'm gonna kill the Swarm Lord this turn. And I'm like, my ass you are, and he, the Tyrant Guard walked up and added basically nine wounds to him, and so yeah. he was sitting at eleven. And because he didn't target him at all. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's going to be a tough thing for you to get through at this late stage in the game. So they're almost my barometer of how the game is going. If people do it right, they're going to kill them early or target the Swarm Lord early and get rid of those guys. Um, so that's, that's typically how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, now with the, um, the Gene Stealer cult, you took um, the Pure Strains with them? Yeah. You did the straight Supreme Command with the Pure Strains and the, was it two Maguses and a Primus? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, what what's do you use the mind control and the um oh god the the name of that psychic power escapes me the you can't shoot Overwatch yeah so I'll have uh, I have one magus that is always going to take the from might beyond or whatever it is where it's going to give a unit plus one strength and plus one attack okay and so so what I'll do is I'll I'll end up having him uh, kind of deploy you know, I'll, I'll end up rolling for the gene stealers and the primus going first. Um, and wherever they land using the stratagem, so I get three dice, re-roll the three dice with the Primus. Um, so I have six dice to, in essence, get what I need. Um, and then after that, I'll roll for the Might Beyond guy. And uh, and then if I have a 15-man unit, those guys are hitting with you know 70 attacks at strength five. And they're hitting on twos because hopefully they're near the Primus if you did it right. Right. Um, and that's that's an intense, intense attack right there. You're hitting on twos and, and doing all that. Um and then um, the other guy, then I either choose the other uh, mages. I typically either choose hypnosis or um, uh, what's it called? The mind control, mind control. one. Yeah. It, if they have a knight or if they have a big shooty flyer or something like that, I'll choose mind control. If they don't have that, I'll just choose hypnosis and basically just make sure that the gene sealer unit that I'm charging with is going to be free and clear of being lit up when they charge in. Mass hypnosis is so good. It's such a yeah, good Yeah, hypnosis power. is the, the one that's like three powers at one, right? Yeah, it's just like minus one to hit, um, and you can't fire Overwatch. And 
Um, you attack yeah. last. You you get chosen last to attack in the fight phase. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just crazy. It's, 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 great. it's power. three three powers. Of, uh, what uh, what do you need for that need to go seven. off? Need a seven. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty good. It's so uh, dumb. Sounds, sounds pretty good. Uh, I was talking to Andy when we were going over your list uh, at I think after the event, and I was like, "What other powers?" Because I only know about the mind control, right? Right. And then he was telling me about that one. I was like, "Why doesn't everybody just use that one?" That's yeah. That one's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, like stupid. Against Tau or somebody that's just gonna light you up. Oh, I reroll all these dice. You're like, "Fuck that!" You're rolling shit. You're rolling shit. (laughs) That's gonna get into you, and you're gonna fucking pay for it. So the guy with flamers, you know, you take those out of the equation. You know, you 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 pull all that away. Mass hypnosis is is a ridiculous psychic power, and I really hope they don't see how good it is with the codex because. It's it's three psychic powers in one. It's the horror, um, it's paroxysm, and it's you know adds on. You also can't Overwatch, which is dumb. Like it's so it's so good. Um, it's I, dumb I, for your opponent. It's really good for you. <laughs> and you can stack it, and you can stack it with the horror. With the horror. So so like for example, oh, if you're yeah. charging a unit of Wraith Guard with you know ten flamers or whatever it is. You cast that. You can't Overwatch. And then you're going to swing back and make me pay. Well, you're going to do that at minus two because I've casted two other powers on you. So that's going to be tough. Yeah. So so you, you kind of touched on your game five there. And yeah. uh, your army is, for lack of a better word, gorgeous. Like, I don't know how you get that finish on your models. It's like a powdery, like, blue. And I don't know what the other colors are because the blue is just bone. like. Yeah, bone. Yeah. It, your army is beautiful. So obviously you, you like hobby. Well, thank assume, you, right? Thank you. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you're, you're kind of like Andy, just like way better. I mean, I just, I mean, I had a, I just had a baby about two months ago, and um, the way the shifts have worked, I'm, I'm responsible for the kid until about two thirty in the morning, and I can sleep before then, or I can just stay up and deal with it. And I'm recently, I've just been staying up and painting as much as I can, and so until my eyes bleed. But it, that's, uh, that's my, that's my strategy to get that shit done. <laughs> is all your stuff? brush work or is it airbrush um the skin is airbrush as a base but then after that it's all brush work like all the highlights and stuff like that Andy, have you seen his army oh yeah i've seen it it's i i, I envy it on occasion you know so <laughs> I, I peek over because i i see other tiered you know stuff out there and you, you walk around and you say oh that's that looks that's really cool that's i should have painted my stuff that way and you go oh that, that that one's really cool and i should have painted my stuff but every tiered player seems to have like their own flavor you know to how they paint their army which is the why I started collecting and painting Tyrannids was actually the painting version first, and then I fell in love with the play style afterwards. Yeah. So, and then I corrupted him. Yeah, then then Ray ruined the game for me, made it competitive. Dude, paint, <laughs> painting those guys, I will say it's an, it's absolutely obnoxious, but to see kind of that finished horde look, I kind of like the uniform look of stuff. Uh, my other mar- army is, you know, White Scars Marines, and it's a pretty uniform, kind of unique, but uniform look. Um, when you start getting into demons that are all different colors and shit like that, I'm like, no, get that away from me. I need some kind of, you know, cohesion to what I'm putting out here. So <laughs> I, I, now, I take the exact opposite tact because I think I, I treat them as organic creatures. Sure. So all of my units are all a little different. So they're not all the exact same, but they all kind of have the same color tone and theme to them. So although they look slightly different, they're all in the same color range, but I want like old one eye to look different than, a flying hive turns look different than the swarm lord, but they're all in that same kind of coloring. I treat them like organic, so that's the way I treat my models. But that's that's a me. That's thing. really cool. That's cool. 
Um, actually, when I first, I think when I first met you, we played together at the Broadside Bashes like seven or eight years ago, and when it's yep. still in L.A. Yep, and I, I was just playing. I think uh, my Death Watch Marines. Yeah, and they all had the different color, uh, painted shoulder pads by hand. Yep. And yeah, I was like, that was that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was I mean, everything was kind of uniform. Then there was one unique piece, which is the shoulder pad. I'm like, I can live with that. That's fine. Everybody's <laughs> unique in that regard. Yeah. Well, that fits. Death Watch is supposed to be that way, so it right. fit. it was awesome. Right. So, all right. And we talk about all this hobby. You, obviously, you probably admire other people's armies. I assume, right? Yes. You, when you come up to a table, you you take that appreciation. So, your game five was against my game four opponent. Yep. Which is the Teflon Don himself. We like to call him on this podcast. <laughs> and you have, uh, explain, you have to explain the Teflon Don when you're done. Go ahead. I'll, I'll explain okay. it right now because uh, yeah. John Gotti was the notorious gangster. Sure. Uh, he was known as the Teflon Don um, because every time they would indict him for something, they would never stick. Um, you ever seen the movie Casino? Yep. The Joe Pesci character was actually uh, modeled after after John Gotti because they would always try to charge him with something, but never he'd never get convicted. So um, Adam Gotti, being sort of almost the same last name, just keeps cheating and just keeps showing up to these things, and nothing sticks to him. So I call him the Teflon Don. Wow. Adam Gatti. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I go deep in my criticism. Like, I make you think about it. There you yeah, go. It, get, it gets worse if he actually gets drunk, but I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, another, another 30 minutes or so, he'll feed himself into that rage. But oh, yeah. We'll, we we'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that out later. But anyways, uh, uh, it came out to, I guess he had some models uh, not painted or not based or something. And I was just like, as an opponent, how do you go along because I think you're totally in the right. You know, I mean, I think it was out sure. there on the podcast, or not the podcast, but the internet, and yep. people were actually against you and even mm-hmm. said, you know, like, oh, you're a shitty person because you had him pull his models. Sure. But to me, I think having, you know, painted and based because it's actually in the packet to do that is just as important as, like, the $80 you spent to buy the entry fee. And my yep. question to you is like, how do how do you approach a game, and how do you approach a player to like get that to actually happen? Well, so just as a kind of a disclaimer, both Adam and I respect the hell out of each other. Um, in that, I've played him a number of times. He's played me. Him and I both know that we are very efficient at communicating when we actually get the ball rolling. So, I mean, I, I typically, you know, and, and when I say that, I mean like either my intent is this or I want to do this, and I and I kind of make sure that that communication is open and so we don't kind of run into these these weird situations and right at the beginning of the game um you know i had noticed it and and there are a number of times where i've seen what he's been working on and um there are some models in in some cases and he's aware that he has some models that are incomplete and he's played with them i have not played him with those incomplete models to date and i've asked people like is he still playing with those and they would say yes and so at, at this point, I see that no further progress has been made on the models that I've seen him playing with for years, and I I just called it out and I said, Adam, you don't have uh, it doesn't seem like you have any basing on your guys, and um, he's kind of looked at me and kind of shrugged his shoulders, and and I, I don't really know what that was to be meant as. I don't know if it was him trying to just play it off or he just thought it was not a big deal. Knowing how much time I've spent on my guys, like I I. Sp- like I take, and you, see, you know, you realize that obviously, and I've kind of stated that. That's something that I just want to see a little bit of effort, just some some sort of effort to go to that level. So I went over. I said, and I I told Reese, I'm like, hey, Reese, can you just come take a look, you know, and and see what you think? 
And he came over and took a look and he, he said, you know, you're absolutely right. These models would not be eligible. There were a few that were even on the borderline that he said, we'll keep those on the board and you can play the game. Um, so he pulled three units and, and that was kind of how that played out. So but I approached it as Adam is a, a by the by the letter of the of the law or uh, by the by pretty much, you know, a very straight up game. If you want to play that with them, he will play that with you. And that's how I've played my games in the past. And so he, and he told me after the game, he's like, "There's, I, I have no problem with you saying what you did. I totally understand. I will do a better job next time. Um, in which part, even after the game, I helped him paint the bases of the models that were in question um, so that he could then get those ready for the next round. And then we kind of went on our way. Yeah, I was, I, a mean, ta- that, I was a table away when that was happening. Of course, I showed you the picture. Um, and me and my opponent was like, oh, my God, there's already drama going down. They haven't even started rolling dice. Like, this is already starting. Because, of course, he has a reputation. Sure. Right? And then all of a sudden, like, Reese is pulling models. Like, why is Reese pulling models? Like, we're, we're like, game five at this point, I think. Yeah, we're, like, game five. Yeah, game like, five. Yeah, so it was like, round five, yeah. So all of a sudden, models are being, like, taken away. I'm like, why? You know, I couldn't figure out why. You know, maybe something was undone, or I, I don't know why, but it, you know, it, it was became obvious that something wasn't done. Yeah. But then I did see you sit down and help him paint models because that game was over pretty quickly. I was yep. like, dude, he's over there helping him paint models. Like, dude, that's that's kind of a classy move. So I was I was sort of impressed that you went out and actually sat down and helped him paint the models. I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I'd be as a bigger man to do that, but I just I you would. know, yeah, yeah, I know. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ray, yeah, you Ray, don't paint. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I don't think that was a question. But I'm just, I just want to state it. I would not. Nice. Well, you, you might do it just to insult him because your painting is so terrible. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? Like, in, the, the guy has had the models for a number of years. Um, we were kind of talking about it. Like, you know, if you're going to play with the same army, I mean, he's been playing Eldar. He's playing this Iandan army for so long. I mean, shit, just get it commissioned slowly over time. Excuse me. Slowly commissioned over time. And you get one unit done. I mean, you just, once it's done, you never have to touch it ever again. Um, if you're not, a, if you're not a big hobbyist, like just get the basic colors on there, get that taken care of. And if you're out there to power game, you know what, go out there and power game, but just make sure that the guys, you know, you're playing at those top tables, you have that taken care of. So it's never a concern ever again. So, yeah. And, and like you said, like you're a person that takes pride in your army and it's kind of like you show up to a table, especially like the fifth, fifth round table. So undefeated and it's like a spit in your face. It, it It's kind of like, it leaves a bad taste, a bad experience for you. Right. Yeah, and I would have. I would. And another thing is that if it was, um, yeah, if it was anybody else, I, I probably would have still said something. It, it, I'll just tell you the tipping point was kind of just the shrug of the shoulders at, at when it, when it was just kind of a hey, you know, what do you think? And there wasn't really an acknowledgement. To, yeah, I haven't put a whole lot of effort into it just yet. You know, at that point, I'm like, all right, well, let's let's call it over and see if somebody else sees what I see. And if so, great. And if not, then we're going to play the game with your models as is. And that, that came down to the judge's call. Yeah. And then the game was a game and you came out on top of that one. And then you yeah. went on to uh, win your next game and go 6-0. and 6-0. Oh. Oh. Definitely congratulations on that. that Thank was- you. And I, I, maybe you could give Andy some advice as a nit player to nit player. <laughs> how do you not lose the first round at every tournament you go to? Well, yeah, don't, you do. don't face 17 Vertish Predator Jet Bikes round one. You could start yeah. there. If you, if you can just find the Black Templar player in every tournament round one, I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> you're going to be okay. Um, I... Uh, I was I was thinking about it before you guys you guys asked me to come on here and I was trying to think about something smart to say and everybody seems to have a strategy or you know have some kind of 
ability to do something. My the biggest thing for me is that I I don't ever think about like offensive output. Well, I do think about offensive output, but not as much as everybody else. Like, oh, you could do seventy attacks, or you can do thirty shots, or this. My own my own take is that every game that I play with my nids is kind of a nail biter in that I only have a few models up on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I approach it as I say, all right, I have a, a schedule to die. So this unit has is going to die on this schedule. So I'm basically telling myself in my head, I'm like, Swarm Lord is going to die by turn three. Okay, great. So um, Gene Steel units are going to die by turn two, which means that my Hive Guard units need to be alive by turn four or later in order for me to have a chance to win the game. So I kind of reverse engineer it in terms of that. And so, um, and that's how kind of my games went. And then if anything ends up lasting beyond that schedule to die, uh, then I feel like I'm ahead. Um, and, and, I, and I start implementing additional things as a part of my plan instead of saying, oh, shit, I lost this unit. I don't have that offensive output anymore. I didn't plan for that. Um, so that that's kind of my approach to thinking about my list is that I know stuff's going to die. I'm going to trade this at this turn and this turn. What am I going to have left by this turn in order to achieve what I want to achieve? Um, and that's that's kind of how I approach a, a, a NID list versus – you know, in, in Ray, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw a dig at you. I have five flyers. This shit's going to be alive forever. So, like, I don't have that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have that luxury. Like, Swarm Lord is going to die. Like, your flyers are going to find that fucker, and he's going to die. So, I just need um, I need some kind of plan to kind of think about that before, um, before it gets to turn six. And I'm like, I have three rippers left. That's all I've got. And if that was my plan all along and I win, great. If it wasn't, then... You know, I, I didn't get didn't get what needed to get done. You know, the three yeah, ripper I, at I the end of the game five. strategy, that's a strategy I've yet to employ, but it's one I've been trying to make that work. You know, yeah. I, I often find myself there. Like, I got to make this plan work. Right. Right, right. <laughs> the three rippers, I got enemy lines, turn six. Yeah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I held an objective, got behind enemy lines. Awesome. Yeah, two points. What do you got? <laughs> you guys like, I just scored five. I don't really know what you're doing over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's- it's kind of a trend with Andy's and at least Andy and me games who are like the first like two turns, he's like way ahead or he takes a lead and then mm-hmm. it kind of dwindles off against me. I mean, obviously I'm playing the flyer list while well, I'm not anymore, but like it always seems like Andy's list always run out of gas toward the end. It's kind of yeah. like his, his uh, sex performance. It kind of ends off like really bad at the end. Yeah, Tiffany, yeah. stop talking to Ray about my sex life. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about right for me too. Not so much the sex life, but you know everything else. Um, the my army typically does start off pretty fast. Or it, I, when you throw those gene stealers in that first turn, you can start them really fast. I what I've started to do, and I employed it in most of the games that I played uh, at the event. Whereas I feel like, oh shit, these guys, these gene stealers can go fucking forty inches, and I can crush this fucking front unit that doesn't matter and all of a sudden you know that's that's dead and then the gene stealers die and then you don't really have another wave um so what i was actually doing is i was keeping those really far back on the first turn um and waiting for the gene stealer cult on turn two just basically deploying super defensively um and armies have a much more difficult time handling 
two units of gene stealers at the same time rather than just taking one on turn one and one on turn two. Um, and even then, that kind of moves the game back. So if you're able to keep more of your stuff alive on that first turn, um, then you're playing yourself into the turns four and five rather than running out of gas on turns two and three, which is what I've, I've found more success with because it's just you have a harder time dealing with the threat overload that Niz can present versus just the, the piecemeal stuff that I fell into early on while I was playing the army. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed early in the season, um, like you were sort of you were kind of struggling early in the season. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, because I know you're a really good tier player, and I'm kind of a, a mid tier tier player. So I kind of looked towards you know where the top tier guys, and I was like, oh, it's struggling. Like, is there something wrong? You know, with the the codex, the metas, or something going on? I know when knights came out, everyone just kind of went shit, and every tier player I talked to said, God, tier are almost like a no go at this point. Like when the knight yeah. codex first landed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't play a whole against a whole lot of knights. Um, and when people talk about you have to avoid knights, I, I, I pity the Tyranid players that play against them, you know, three out of the four rounds. You know, you're, you've lost your first two, and you're like, why the fuck am I still playing a knight player? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't fall into that situation too often. Um, but, you know, it's just if you can avoid those matchups or if you can just get through them, you know, there are so many other premium matchups for NIDs or games that you're not going to just get blown off the board that I wouldn't feel disparaged at all. I mean, if there's one hard counter to you, then fuck it. You know, take the hard counter and that's it. Well, the only knight I saw was the Forge World one, the Profarian knight, that giant mm-hmm. ass thing. Uh, had, that when it hits you, it's six wounds. Uh, it's the only nice. knight I saw the entire tournament. Uh, I was actually, I geared my list towards knights. So I was kind of hoping to see them and I didn't see them except for the giant ass one that I saw. Did so, you win that game? No, I lost bad. <laughs> well, not he, bad. He apparently, like, didn't tier it correctly. Apparently, yeah. Fucking, there was only one night, for, and he still I lost. Up, I was supposed to say you geared up for one night. Fucking, <laughs> just that one and, night. Fuck that night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> my, didn't go as planned. My my plan all fell apart just that one fucking night. You know. <laughs> now, now, Cooper, in the in the list building phase, do do you have secondaries in mind, or do you go by like? Uh, game by game and like what secondaries did you find yourself using at the SoCal more often? Um, uh, I actually designed the list less in mind for secondaries and more in mind for um, I think two or three combos that would work at different stages of the game. So like when I think about the psychic phase, I think about getting my warlord up very early and then doing that combo with the stratagem. So there's a combo and that's a defensive kind of a thing. Uh, I think about the gene stealer one with uh, Kraken. And then I think about the gene stealer one with uh, the gene stealer Colt. Those are like the three things that I kind of gamed around. Um, and, and after that, I'm like, well, what can I do to make myself relevant in other stages of the game? What can I do? Uh, so then I started adding ripper swarms uh, to uh, stuff to get to get both CP and then deep strike them into the far corners of the board. So recon could be a possibility. I just didn't want any um, any secondary to be off the table. I wanted to be able to kind of pick and choose based on what I saw in front of me rather than be pigeonholed into a couple. And then if my opponent was a hard counter for those, then I'd have no options. Um, so it wasn't really kind of gaming towards them, just giving myself options there. Oh, cool. I, I, I mean, my list that I was using there, like, there were some secondaries off the table, so obviously you had more options. Of course, because you actually have guys on the ground. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, but I mean, for you, you. I mean, 
I, I assume the recon, I mean, any kind of a flyer list, like you're just going to pick recon because your flyers are going to be fucking everywhere and they still count as scoring or still being a unit in a different table quarter. Yeah, like re- was, recon was, I think every game, maybe one I didn't do because I didn't want to go towards them. I, was right. just, I think it was when I played Knights, I didn't want to go towards them. So I was using the flyers to block and mm-hmm. not so worried about the zones. But sure. I mean, against against an all-night list, it's pretty easy to do Kingslayer and Titanslayer. You already have two. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Cool. Makes yeah, I, I play Kraken Street. Kraken, so recon is always the thing. I'm, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to get recon. I'm going to do that. Right. And then it's, you know, what is my player presenting me? You know, and I, I go from there. Um, but I feel like recon's a trap. I, 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 really? I feel like every time I pick recon, I feel like recon's a trap for our list because um, – I find myself kind of bunching up together as a defensive kind of a play at the beginning of the game sure. until until they end up spreading out. And by the time they start spreading out, I need to be hyper-focused and put all of my stuff into their stuff that they need to die, that needs to die. And very rarely am I going to be able to get recon unless I have a Ripper Swarm ready to drop. And if I do, great. Um, but I, I just feel like recon is sometimes a trap. And so I found myself picking actually Butcher's Bill a couple times just because I'm like, a Gene Stewart unit's going to kill one, and then a Hive Guard unit's going to kill two. And I'm going to kill two units this turn. It's not going to be three or four or five. It's going to be two, and I feel comfortable killing two a turn. And that was kind of the pace that I went at. Uh, so that was the one that I found picking more so than Recon uh, because I just felt like I wasn't getting enough from that, that mm. thing, secondary. And you didn't find that Butcher Bill kind of like made you stretch in your turns to actually get those points? Because that's what I find, like, well, at least the list that I was using on SoCal, that, like, if I would, like, I didn't use it there, but I in practice games, I would use it. And I always mm-hmm. found that, like, it changed my movement phase because I had to, like, guarantee it to get two kills. Interesting. Yeah, so I wasn't, like, when I say I was picking Butcher's Bill, um, it, that was one where I'm picking it because I didn't have a whole lot of other options. I didn't feel like I was going to get a whole lot more be guaranteed to get a whole lot more um and so butcher's bill is like all right i'm just gonna i know there are gonna be some turns i kill two some turns that i'm not uh in the early stages of the game i should be able to kill two for at least two or three turns and i'm going to guarantee myself two or three points um whereas uh i felt i've i've Early on in my, you know, Tyranid experience, I was falling myself victim to, oh, I can get four points if I chose this one, and that's great. And, you know, and it turns out that it's actually super hard to get those four unless you specifically go after those units or this particular play. Giving myself just the flexibility to get two or three points from a secondary and not have to hyper-focus on that, and I can focus on, you know, just killing the enemy or uh, doing something else. Right. I can do all that. You know, I just rather get points by the wayside rather than actually saying, oh, I need to get four points out of this. And if I don't get four points, then it's a failure. I'll take two or three. That's interesting. Cool. So you just kind of take what you, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Because we've always talked about like, you better pick your secondaries to always get the 12. Like if you're not getting your 12, then you're, you're picking something wrong. But that's I, interesting. Yeah. The way that I look at it is that if you take a secondary that you for sure can't get four, or it's even like, you don't have to like really like I hope this happens. You're kind of playing at a negative one already. Because if if you kill the same and you hold the same the whole game, then or even one turn get kill more, but they're gonna get kill more at one point, then it comes down to secondaries and all you can get is eleven, but they can get twelve. It's kinda like playing at a, a negative one deficit at the start of the game. That's the way but I look it, at it. 
but if you end up focusing on, so let's say that that's a great point. So let's say that they end up focusing on uh, their secondary against you. Let's say it's marked for death and you have four units. And let's say you're able to successfully hide one. They're at a minus one. But at the meantime, they're focusing on only killing those units they think that might be, you know, the best possible units to kill. If you make it so that they are no, no longer the best units that they can possibly kill and you're playing a different game than they are, you basically control the schedule of which you score those points. So if you say, I'm going to make them available to die turn four or later those units then you're only going to basically cap them at you know three turns to kill those units where you've already been scoring more points on kill more or hold more because you're focusing on those instead so i'd rather focus on the primary than the secondaries that's my that's that's my particular take on it okay so you're kind of looking at like kind of like going first and second itc where like second you know i think second place is more of the driving uh, seat because it sit, sees what the first person does and then can react to it and then mm-hmm. the first player actually turns into reacting to the person reacting to them no that's kind of weird yeah but, no, it makes sense but you're saying use the secondaries in like the same way like okay you want to kill i don't know a flying hive tyrant i guess for you right right and like okay i'm just going to keep them back here for a while so where you have to either super stretch to come get it and kill it and then whatever you use to kill it's going to die anyways Mm-hmm. or you have to deal with it way later in the game where you don't have enough to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And there and there are some cases where some folks are just like, oh, I'm going to get recon because I'm going to put this over there, um, and that's I'm, it's going to be a guaranteed point. Well, what I would typically do then is if they had like one unit over there and I had Butcher's Bill, I would then go after that one unit that may not have been super strong, so there's a definite kill for me. Maybe not as important towards the overall strategy, but then I take away their recon point um, and then I can then get another uh, a butcher's bill point. So I'm I'm dictating the schedule of which they're getting their points. Um, I'm playing a different game than they are, as opposed to just them assuming they're going to get an auto four. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely could use that. Another, I'm I'm going to take that into account. That yeah. that thought process. Yeah. Maybe, now, maybe I maybe I can go five and one again. Yeah. Maybe. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I didn't see you day one, but were you wearing your your corduroy pants? I, you know, God, this is a sad, sad story. Oh, did they die? Oh no, dude! If you if you know the corduroy pants, you know that they are old. They're a little raggedy. There are some holes in them, and you know that there's a drawstring involved. And yeah. I'll tell you right now, I've known them for at least eight years, so I know they've the been draw, around. The drawstring broke. Oh, they no. broke, and it is a pain in the ass to get the drawstring from the inside of that fucking you know, belt loop thing or whatever. And I've, I have a pair of tweezers set aside to go digging for that drawstring and, you know, put a new string through it. I I have it actually set aside. You can ask my wife. She will tell you, she's like, this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen. This guy is about to undertake a three hour project to fix his 30 year old corduroy sweatpants that I want to throw in the trash three days ago. You know, like that is like two days after she met you, she wanted to throw those away. Like, (laughs) dude, they are, they are horrendous. They are not great. Um, and I wear them out a lot. Or I would. Wear them out. <laughs> I I had a uh, I have a jacket now, like an actual like like a coat that a buddy of mine gave to me. It's like made for someone who's six foot nine and three hundred fifty pounds, so it looks big on even me. So I'll wear that with the corduroy sweatpants. Oh my god. Um, and I, my brother got me like a corduroy like surfer cap, and I'll wear that, Jesus. and I'll be like, "I'm the corduroy king, bro. <laughs> just, just keep take me seriously." Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I, I don't know anybody else that wears corduroy at all. Dude, 
my, you are the, you are the corduroy king then. I, thank you. Finally. Last one. The you, last. The corduroy the king. Dying, yeah, the last of a dying breed. You just just watch out. We may spread. My son has um, a very small pair of corduroy sweatpants as well <laughs> that I found at like, some like, baby store that were available for like ninety nine cents. My wife's like, "Are you going to buy those for him?" I'm like, "Yeah, we are." Yeah, so he yeah, has we those. are. I mean, yeah. 99 cents. I mean, what? It was like given to you. Yeah. 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 If he doesn't wear them, I'm going to fucking figure out a way to wear them myself. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I got through the corduroy question. That's when I definitely needed to get to. The rest of the whole Tiernan stuff, like, I was, I noticed I didn't see the corduroy pants. I definitely wanted to get to that question. Like, yeah. I, I had to get yeah. to that because I knew it was important. The, it, it, was, it was embarrassing that the one time that I did super well at a GT, I was not in my uh, Sunday's best. Is that so, gonna is that gonna be in your head the next time you wear those pants? Yeah. So now we look at <laughs> maybe it and be like, maybe fuck, dude that was actually a good look was not wearing right. But you don't right. want that in your head. Jesus. Those are your lucky pants. I'm gonna fuck up the whole mojo now. Now, <laughs> now I'm totally fucked in the head. Nice job. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna see Cooper at the bottom table yeah. with corduroy points. Yeah, yeah, pants yeah. On now. I'm on here talking like I know what I'm talking about, and you're it's gonna all be the like, pants. Coop. Yeah, you're like Cooper, you should have worn jeans all along. But like, fucking, I couldn't fix the drawstring fast enough. God damn it! <laughs> now, after every major, I like to reflect back on the tournament, and there's always like stuff that I learned. Like, oh, I didn't know that stratagem worked that way, or there's an actual extra sentence that like people forget about. Like I, I talked about in the podcast that came out on Friday, but. Um, was there anything that you learned this event that you could take to other games or you think maybe other people didn't catch or no? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, great question. I don't know the answer to right off the top of my head. Quite a good uh, question. Why we don't give- I, I, I think, I think, uh, I also just made it two seconds ago. Yeah. That's <laughs> assholes trying to sound smart over there. Asking long <laughs> in depth questions. <laughs> uh, God, I, as far as like what what I should be aware of and what I what I shouldn't be aware of, I think the, um, God, I I'm I'm trying to think of like one moment where I I don't really think I was surprised. See, Ray, it this, was is, probably, this, is, this is why we stick to the big boobs and fat ass question, Ray. That's that's right. Can we go back to that that one? Um, <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and ask ask our yeah. questions that we ask or yeah. we're supposed to ask. All our fucking interviewers, Andy. I keep yeah, forgetting. Let's, let's I, those, I get so drunk I and I forget, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, of course, the, the, the question that we everybody all, listens for, everyone listens for is, uh, are you a big boob or fat ass man? Fat ass man. There you go. Hell yeah. Now, could hey, you, that's you, why if, we get along. Yeah. You can, now, if you can get both <laughs> in the same equation, now you're golden, right? Absolutely not. No, I just want one. Just want <laughs> <another> one. <laughs> he doesn't want to get greedy, right? <laughs> No, I'm greedy. No, no. If you have you have inverted boobs at that point, even like that's almost more of a plus. <laughs> he wants it all in the ass, Ray. He wants it all right. in the ass. Yeah. It's like you keep those French fries. I'm getting an extra patty on my burger, please. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, what what was um? Give us me your best or your worst sex story. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 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 I told you we're a professional podcast. This is great. So, so this is my. Um, this is more about a, a, a joined experience. Um, <laughs> well, it's not sec- a great sex story if it's a solo no, experience. 
Oh, all right. Yeah, that would be <laughs> masturbating you by yourself. We'll worry for some people that's sex, okay? So it's... <laughs> well, actually, that's about like 95% of our listeners. God damn it. So so my uh, my brother and I, we're going out to bars down here in San Diego, and he's uh, not 21 yet. And somehow he gets into the bar. Um, and he and his, he's sitting at the bar top, and I'm like, dude, you have to find a way to talk to somebody. Like, I want you to think of an opening line. So his he goes and finds this chick. She's tattooed from the neck all the way down to her feet. You know, he's just like apparently he's totally into that and great. He goes wow. right up to her and he's just his opening line was God, my girlfriend never lets me do anal. And they start talking. <laughs> they start talking for I think the That's next smooth. That's smooth. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a great line because she's then started talking to him for like the next half hour to an hour. And the chick yeah, you know, she ends up coming back with him. I'm come back and I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to bed. Uh, and he goes upstairs and I proceed to hear just, I feel like they were on a trampoline upstairs on the bed. <laughs> and, and he comes downstairs and he's like, whoa, that was crazy. And then she leaves. And I, and I asked him to tell me the story. His story was, is that he was basically fucking her in the ass while she was on top of him. <laughs> everything, everything comes, she, she pulls off, everything comes out onto his belly button. Oh my God. Oh, on, onto his belly button. And he's like, oh my God. The kid's like 19 years old. This is his first experience from a bar. Okay. And he goes home to his parents' house with me there. And Chick does this. He looks her square in the eye after this, this all happens. She then goes down and slurps everything out of the belly button. Oh my god! And he's like, should have cleaned up her mess. Should have cleaned it up. And my dad then, he, my brother tells my father the story, and my father couldn't help but laugh. And he then aptly named the move the Neapolitan. The uh, ne- oh, gross! <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> That's, that's a shit story and a sex story all in one. Yeah, that, that, was gonna, that was going to be my next question, too. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I got, I got another one for you. Okay. If you want to go to this shit story. Yes, because um, my question was tell me about the last time you shit yourself. Mm. Uh, well, see, I, was, I, I don't think I've done that in my own home in quite some time. So. <laughs> well, it doesn't usually happen in your home. That's why it makes it a, bit, a good shit story. But that's, continue with your shit story. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, so we are, we're, uh, I can't tell a story without laughing. The, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I go out to the bars and I come back and there's this, there's this chick and we do, what we need to do. I hardly remember what's going on. And she, she leaves or she, she wakes up at like four o'clock in the morning and she looks over at me and she's like, I need some water. Um, and right when she's saying that, I look over at her and she's like, oh, I, I need to go. And she leaves at like four in the morning. I'm like, this is great. She's gone. She's perfect. Have to do Fantastic. Right. Perfect. So then I, uh, go to the, um, I go to the breakfast table. And again, my father is sitting there. He's, he's a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. He's a very well-dressed guy. He's eating his, you know, cornflakes. And I show up to the breakfast table like a train wreck. And uh, I look at him and he's like, dude, Coop, you have um, like chocolate 
on your face. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, no. like, what? And I start like rubbing and it's coming off. And I, I, uh, I go to the bathroom and I just couldn't help but like audibly go, no. <laughs> and my dad, my dad then caught on. He just starts laughing. I can hear him cackling like two rooms over and i'm like god damn it god damn it this was it was not chocolate this is not chocolate, <laughs> not chocolate. what did she need the water for i don't know what she needed the water for okay but she saw something on my face that she did not want to deal with or explain <laughs> and i didn't know what was going on so oh man and those are our three questions those are our three questions supposed to ask that i'll be yeah yeah good did i did i I pass you passed yes you definitely passed (laughs) the neapolitan i'll never forget that now it's fantastic it's so good it's gonna be on the show it's gonna be a stable might make a shirt with it we might we might just and a belly button (laughs) just have just have this super hot looking tattooed girl off to the side Holding a Neapolitan ice cream bar and just be like, want one? And you're just like, <laughs> or want yeah. some? Want some? Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's, yeah. It. Yeah. That's it. Well, Cooper, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Of course. Uh, thanks for taking your evening out and uh, sharing, of course, your experience going 6 0 with Tyrannids and, of course, the, the great, one of the great sex and poop stories of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm still thinking about it, and it's happened like ten years ago, and I'm still laughing. Like I couldn't believe my father was that sick and demented. He would just ask me if there was chocolate on my face. That fucker. <laughs> there's chocolate on your face. Will that? Your father sounds like a cool guy, though. Yeah, I, yeah. that's pretty funny. Will that has been another edition of the Veteran Gamer Reenlisted. I am, of course, your host Andy. As always, join my best friend Ray. Hello, rule. And the denim king himself, Cooper. <laughs> The denim king, Tucker. <laughs> corduroy. Oh, the corduroy king. The corduroy king. That's your Canadian. I, I, I legitimately thought that was a slight to my reign. <laughs> the corduroy king himself. I've been drinking. Shut up. <laughs> the corduroy king himself, Cooper. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Until next time, ladies. Drink up. <laughs>